Harp on Sports with Seth Harp. You know what time it is. Three, two, one. Let's do this. Go, bartenders. Go, food needs refill. Harp on Sports, the bar podcast, media, audio, and radio network. What do we have in store for you on this edition of the program? A little college football factorial as we look at the college football playoff. Now that we are here at Rivalry Week and look exactly what is a fact and what is a fiction when it comes to how this thing is going to lay itself out. Because, let's face it, there are certain teams that can lose and still make it. There are a couple teams, if they lose, they're out. So we're going to look at facts and fictions when it comes to the college football playoff at this point. Also, college football playoff part de The... Group of five, I make this case every single year at this time. I'm going to make it again. Why the group of five needs to break off, at least for the postseason, and do their own thing. Yeah, they should create their own playoff. Call themselves champions. Because when this thing goes to 12, they're only going to get one slot at the table. Right now, they get one slot at the table. Sometimes. Maybe. Cincinnati did. So, group of five, they're going to continue to hose you. And there's a way for you to make a ton of money doing this. So we're going to look at that. Also, NFL Hall of Fame finalists, I guess Pro Football Hall of Fame finalists, unveiled the 28. Former Gator Fred Taylor, also former Jaguar on this list. There are, to me, four people that should be in without a doubt. It never works this way. There's one guy that should be a lock without a doubt. Without a doubt, that shouldn't even be up for debate. I think he is. And then it starts to get murky after that. You know, people can make a case against some of these guys. But I'm going to go through and tell you who the four should be in. And then the four debating for that final slot. Again, Harpon Sports, the bar, podcast, media, audio, radio network. Follow, share, like, subscribe at Harpon Sports Twitter, at Harpon Sports Instagram. Harpon Sports, Auditory Route, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Apple Podcasts under Harpon Sports, the bar. Harpon Sports Facebook page, Harpon Sports YouTube channel. And of course, HarponSports.com. Okay, facts, fiction, when it comes to the college football playoff. I know that there's now this sentiment that there's some SEC bias with this. This this pageantry is what it is. Up until the final one, it's just putting pieces in place to create debates. I know people don't like that, and they think that's ridiculous, but come on. That's what it is. That's what it is at this point. Alabama, you know, people, Alabama's too high. LSU shouldn't be ahead of... LSU shouldn't be ahead of USC. Well, if LSU beats Georgia, the committee will say, hey, you're right. Should have been up there. If LSU loses to Georgia, Southern Cal just slides into their slot. And I understand that this stuff has to be created for drama and it creates debates. And that's fine. I don't fall for it. I don't. You can fall for it if you want to. What's going on? Why is this team here? Why is this team here? Come on. If Southern Cal wins all their games, they're going to make the college football playoff. They are. <laughs> so, I mean, come on. I, I just think this is fascinating when, when we get this worked up about something that changes in 24, 72, 96 hours. In terms of the narrative. Two weeks ago, oh, Pac-12 doesn't blood Pac-12. USC, UCLA. Oh, what are we going to Oregon shouldn't be Oregon. Should they lost to Georgia and then... Two weeks later, like, okay, I guess it's okay. Well, USC Clemson shouldn't be in North Carolina. What? Check, check, check. Here are the two things that without a doubt are true. Georgia and the Ohio State-Michigan winner are in. But without a doubt, Georgia 
in the Ohio State Michigan winner are in. Now, Georgia could lose to Georgia Tech and then lose to LSU. I get it, but come on, let's be reasonable here. Georgia can lose in the SEC championship game and they're still in. So, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan winner in. Without a doubt, those two things are true. If TCU runs the table, they are in. If TCU loses, then your debates begin. So that's a little fiction. You can't exactly, you know, what's going on. If TCU wins all their games, they're going to make it. To me, your debate gets down to this. USC with one loss, if they run the table, and the Ohio State-Michigan loser, that ends up being the debate. Because if it's USC and TCU loses a game, whether at this point, TCU would be losing what? The Big 12 championship game to Kansas State? That means USC won the Pac-12 to go USC and TCU out. These things line up perfectly. Everybody throughout the course of the last few weeks, chaos, look at all these upsets, chaos. It's not chaos, it's clarity. Losses in college football provide clarity. We have more clarity than ever. Tennessee, gone. North Carolina, gone. It cleans this up. It just does. Ohio State, Michigan, not really going to clean anything up, but it's going to lock somebody in. So those are my, my, my facts. Ohio State, Michigan winner in. Georgia, in. Here's some that, mm, fictions. LSU's in if they run the table. I, I, no. Well, here, here's what happens in this case. If LSU beats Georgia, you know, you have Ohio State, or let's say Ohio State runs the table, TCU runs the table. Now you start to have debates over, okay, we got to put LSU and Georgia in. Would they do that? I, there's, I don't think there's a guarantee with that. Now, what benefits them, let's say Ohio State beats Michigan, and they just move Michigan back to four and leave LSU at five. Well, under that logic, then LSU is sitting there going, wait a second here. If, if we, we win next week, we'll jump Michigan, which they would. Because it's all about laying things out, you know, for the, <laughs> theatricality. Um, the one that Clemson can win out, they're not in. That's a fiction. They, they won't make it if they win out and some of these other things happen. In each of these scenarios, how do you get in? Ohio State beat Michigan. They're in. Georgia beat Georgia Tech. They're in. LSU Run the table, Clemson. I don't think Clemson really won't matter for LSU. Run the table and have USC get beat. That's their scenario. That's their path. The Ohio State-Michigan winner, in. Ohio State-Michigan loser, they turn around. Ohio State-Michigan loser needs Georgia to win. All these teams with one loss need Georgia to win. Ohio State-Michigan loser needs Georgia to win. TCU needs Georgia to win. USC needs Georgia to win. Clemson needs Georgia to win. Because once you get LSU out of the equation, you need to turn the SEC into a one-bid conference. And look, the Ohio State-Michigan winner, if they go to the Big Ten championship game and Purdue knocks them off or Iowa knocks them off, then the Big Ten becomes a one-bid conference. Even though they didn't win the conference, they'd go and the one-loss team would be on the outside looking in. Clemson, again, Clemson needs Georgia to win. Clemson probably needs TCU to lose in the Big 12 championship game. Can't have them lose this week and then win the Big 12 because they have a little arc then at that point. Clemson needs Notre Dame to beat USC. So there's all these things out here, facts and fictions, and how this thing lines up. So everybody's got like these resume builders, and okay, these are the three three boxes that we need to check. The, the two schools that have the least boxes to check are Georgia and the Ohio State-Michigan winner. The one that has the most boxes to check is Clemson. We need Notre Dame to beat USC. We need 
Georgia to beat LSU. We need TCU to lose to Kansas State. Because at that point, your debate is what? TCU, who just lost the Big 12 championship game, or a Clemson who won the ACC. There's where that gets tricky. One lost TCU, one lost Clemson as an ACC champion, and Michigan who just lost to Ohio State that didn't even play. And it goes back to the premise that I've talked about once this thing goes to 12, you're going to be rewarding teams that didn't make their conference championship game and punishing teams that make their conference championship game and lose. Hence LSU. If this is a 12-team playoff and Georgia beats LSU, does LSU fall out of the top 12? What do you do with Notre Dame that beats USC? Do they sneak into the top 12? So those are the things that as you look down the line. So facts and fictions when it comes to the college football playoff. It's really simple. There's like... Six or seven things as they take place. And no matter what you do, this is the one year. Oh, the chaos. You can't create chaos. You can't. Okay. What if LSU wins? Okay. And um, Clemson wins out and USC wins out. See, what, what did I tell you? Well, chaos is everybody winning, not losing. Now it's funny. We get to the end. like, okay, what if this team wins? Oh, wait a second. I thought you wanted chaos. You were just rooting for losses a couple weeks ago for chaos. Now you're rooting for wins. The closest thing, and I was thinking through this in my head, the closest thing you can have to creating chaos is this. The closest thing you can have. Georgia, and this is ridiculous because none of this stuff's going to happen. Georgia loses to LSU. Clemson wins the ACC. USC runs the table and wins the Pac-12. TCU loses to Kansas State in the Big 12 championship game. The Ohio State-Michigan winner loses to Purdue and Iowa in the Big 10 championship game. Those are the those are your chaotic scenarios. That, that that's that, that's the path to chaos in this thing. And it's not really chaos because you look around and go, Ohio State lost to Michigan or Michigan beat Ohio State. That winner loses to Purdue. All right, Purdue, congratulations, welcome to the Rose Bowl. Um, Ohio State goes, Michigan's out. See, it's it's pretty simple at that point. Uh, the best thing for college football would be one Georgia, two Ohio State, three TCU, four USC. That would be the best thing for college football. Now, branding-wise, you can sit there and say, well, I think that you know Clemson should be in there. You know, I, I, I don't... Not this year. Not the way that they're playing. I think TCU... Because think about this. You pull California. You pull Texas. The Midwest could be Ohio State or Michigan. You could really sub those two out. But let's go Ohio State because SEC people just hate Ohio State. Michigan, eh. Ohio State, despise. And Georgia. Georgia won. Georgia, Southern Cal... Ohio State, TCU, yeah, pretty good. Pivoting from that to this, the group of five, I mean, now you sit and you see what's going on with Cincinnati, Tulane, UCF, and I sit here and I look at this, and with all the money out there, look at the money that networks through at the XFL. Look at money, look at monies that were thrown at what was the United Football League or whatever what we had a couple years ago? It didn't work, but money was thrown at that. Look at things like Maction. And there's other conferences now kicking the tires on that, going, we want a little, we want to be like the Mac, where we get like Tuesday and Wednesday night games. Not a ton of money per se, but money. Well, who owns the rights to the college football playoff? ESPN. Okay. Who doesn't own rights after that? Well, nobody, right? Well, you have Fox Sports that's sitting around that have SS, FS1. Fox Sports, big part of the Big Ten. You have NBC, which has their Notre Dame, but college football-wise, as they try to work out some deals here, eh, you know, you get a couple things. 
CBS only has one bowl game. They got two now? Just look at the bowl games, how ESPN dominates the bowl games. Well, the reason all these network, you know, more bowl games get created is because networks want to get involved with this stuff. Putting a football game on between two, six, and six teams on December 28th at 8 o'clock at night is going to draw far more interest than running what? World Series of Poker? So if I'm the group of five, and you know, you look around here, and the big schools still play you because they want to add wins to their record. It's important to them. If I'm the group of five, if I'm the MAC, the Sunbelt Conference USA, the American Conference, and the Mountain West, I'm creating my own. I do this every single year. This is what it would look, and, and this is what you do. Eight teams, you, you know, your group of five, five conference champions, three at largest, just like we were talking about eight with the other one. Now it's going to go to 12, but eight. And then you go home sites, home sites, neutral site championship, three week event. And you can start that sucker when December 20th, December 20th, December 27th, January 3rd, or in that vicinity. That's what I would do. So this is what it would look like this year. And again, not, not in any particular order. Your conference champions would be who? Well, just for argument's sake, let's say Cincinnati wins the American Conference. It would be Cincinnati, University of Tennessee or Texas San Antonio, Boise State, Ohio, and who? Coastal. So the top four would host the other four. And your at-larges would be Tulane, UCF, and Troy. Like, oh, Seth, that's ridiculous. And look, and if you're hosting one of those, like, I know I went to Western Michigan. If Western Michigan is hosting University of Texas San Antonio in a playoff to win Group of Five championship, yeah, they'll get 30,000 people to go to that. You bet they will. You bet they will. And then you and then you toss up a neutral site game when it comes to this. Where are the neutral site game? I'll knock yourself out. I, pick a place. Seriously, pick a place. You'd want a smaller venue. You wouldn't want to like a larger. Indianapolis is centrally located. I always mention Indy. You're not going to go out to like LA to do this. I know some of the Mountain West schools would want it out there. Vegas is something that you could turn around really quick with hotel rooms. But I would have a group of five championship. And if you really want to do it, then fine. Let one of the group of fives host the championship for all I care. That way you know you have a packed crowd. Whoever the one seed is hosts. The highest seed hosts. I mean, oh, that's ridiculous. Look. The money that NBC and CBS and Fox pour into these things, you're going to have seven games. You know, two on Saturday, two on. No, we're competing with the NFL. I know. It gets tricky, doesn't it? It gets tricky. But, you know, with the Mountain West involved with this, West Coast, or more West, different time zone, you can have a game kickoff at seven and another game kickoff at 10, which is eight, two, two. There's your four on a Wednesday or like a. Wednesday, Thursday, one at seven, one at ten thirty, or one at six thirty. What? Boom, boom. Those go, and now the next week you're down to four. Those go. And then you got your championship group of five. Put your own playoff together. TV networks. ESPN owns the college football playoff. They own all the bowls. Do it. This. It's a group of five playoff. Well, then you're not going to get a seat at the table in the big game. You're right. Eight of you will get a seat at the table in your own game. You're asking for essentially one team to get a turkey leg at Thanksgiving where eight of you can share the turkey. They're only going to let one of you in this playoff anyway. Create your own. Create your own. Well, then they'll shut us up. They're still going to pay you for these games because these these schools like Mississippi and Mississippi State and even Bandy to some instance and, you know, they'll just go through like the Syracuses of the world. They're going to play Mac schools, Sunbelt schools because they want to get six, seven wins. 
They're going to keep talking about breaking off. Start this. This would work. So, okay. Group of five, create your own playoff. Call yourself national champions. Force them to put you at the, if, if you create your own, our tournament of champions. So it's called the tournament of champions. College football national. And you create your own, we're national champions. No, you're not. You didn't. No, we're champions. And then, oh, we got one seat at the table. We don't want, we want multiple seats at the table. You force their hand. And does it merge? I don't know if it exactly merges, but here's what you get with this. You ready for this? A little secret. Ready? Everybody, every conference champion gets a bid. That's what you're trying to force. Because if you sit around and hope that they throw you some scraps, it's like trickle-down economics. It's not going to happen. It's not. Why would they share with you? Why? One to wrap with this. Uh, College Football Hall of Fame. Excuse me. Pro Football Hall of Fame. Finalists. 28 finalists announced. And there's guys on there that, you know, Eric Allen, Rodney Harris. There's guys in there like, okay, these are good football players. But are they Hall of Famers? To me, there are four guys that I look at the list and say, yeah. To me, yeah. That, 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 yeah, Hall of Famer. Now, when I start to think about it, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Usually, then that goes to the the Hall of Very Good, not the Hall of Fame. Football's so different, right? Six guys, five guys, you know, now that they've jumbled it a little bit and veterans get the committees. Look, to me, there's four guys when they walk into the room, it's not a debate. Joe Thomas, not a debate. Darrell Rivas, not really a debate. Thomas is no doubt. You could kind of throw some old Rivas who was only great for seven years. And okay, I guess it's, but that guy was the preeminent corner in the NFL. Rivas Island, they had a nickname because he just put, so, you know, and I know that's clever, but the guy was the best defensive back in the NFL for eight, nine years. To me, he's a Hall of Famer. Check, check. James Harrison, you kidding me? Steelers defense. I mean, James Harrison, check. Two Super Bowls? We win three. We win with the Patriots in there? Just a monster. Um, and then the guy that didn't get in last year, and the Hall of Fame's got a, a problem coming, and I, Andre Johnson. And the problem is, for the longest time, the NFL had a log jam at wide receiver. They had like five or six guys. You know, the, you'd have 20-plus finalists, 28 finalists, and you'd have seven wide receivers. Like, oh, boy, what do we do? So they started clearing out that log jam at wide receivers, what they did. They started checking. Okay, we got to get, get rid of it. Now, of these 28 finalists, what I count? Seven wide receivers again? Seven of the 28 are wide receivers? And this that list is just going to keep growing and growing and growing because it's a much more vertical game now, right? Football is a much more vertical game, so you're just going to get more and more and more receivers every year. And there's a bunch of them in here this year, right? If Andre Johnson, welcome to the party, Steve Smith. We talk about Torrey Holt. I don't know if you consider Devin Hester a wide receiver, but kick returner. But he fits that mold, doesn't he? So, you know, Heinz Ward. Okay, you get six, seven. You got, you're going to have to start checking some of these receivers off the off the notepad here just to clear it up a little bit. They had a log jam on the offensive line a couple years ago. They've kind of cleaned that up a little bit. Tony Baselli finally gets in. You've kind of cleaned up that log jam at offensive line. Now you got a new one coming because you got multiple receivers starting to enter the ballot. Reggie Wayne, Torrey Holtz of the world. Torrey's been there for a while now, and so is Heinz Ward. But Steve Smith's now, and now do I think Steve Smith's a Hall of Famer? Yes. But Andre Johnson's waited longer, right or wrong. You can't put four receivers in in the same class, so they, they try to balance this out a little bit. So I have Andre Johnson of that group. Should be in. No, like you put Steve Smith instead of Andre Johnson, fine. But if you put like Heinz Ward instead of Andre, I'd be eh. 
So I think the four that should be in, Joe Thomas, Darrell Rivas, James Harrison, Andre Johnson. And then this is where the debate begins. Dwight Freeney, Steve Smith, Sr., DeMarcus Ware, Devin Hester. Those four guys for those final slots. It's like, it's like a grocery list every year. It's like, okay, this is what we need. Now, what do we want? What would we like to see? I think Joe Thomas is in, no questions asked. He's the best, one of the top two or three defensive tackles or offensive tackles in the year for a decade, in the league for a decade. So if I were going through this, Joe Thomas, Darrell Rivas, James Harrison, Andre Johnson, and then probably Dwight Freeney, probably. Was his stand out in the Colts because the defense was so eh over those years? And then, I mean, he and Bob Sanders, remember the Colts defense kind of clicked? But doesn't that make Dwight Freeney even more special because the Colts didn't have a bunch of pro bowlers and it was just him? As opposed to James Harrison, who was surrounded with a bunch of other pro bowlers on defense. Darrell, Darrell Rivas had some, Bart Scott, he had some good guys on his defense, but again, it's structural, different positions, I get it. But Rivas and Thomas, shouldn't be a debate. If, and, and look, if Rivas and Thomas are in and you decide to go, okay, we're going to go with Dwight Freeney instead of James Harrison, I can live with that. But they will be a receiver, just a question of who. Uh, Fred Taylor, you look at his numbers. The thing about running backs is as time goes by, Fred's just going to look more and more impressive. Yeah, I know that we're going to get a, in the, in the next, you know, Derrick Henry's going to enter the fold because you got guys like Ricky Waters and Fred Taylor out there that are just kind of sitting there hanging out. But running back numbers are just going to get stronger and stronger because they just don't, you don't have 10,000 yard backs anymore. Unfortunately for Fred, Fred, we're going to have to wait five, six more years. The way it is, man. The way it is. Harp on Sports, the bar, podcast, media, audio, radio network. Follow, share, like, subscribe at Harp on Sports Twitter, at Harp on Sports Instagram, Auditory Route, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Harp on Sports Facebook page, Harp on Sports YouTube channel, all under the bar, and of course, HarpOnSports.com. Going to have my predictions, Rivalry Weekend, Twitter, check them out, at Harp on Sports. I'm going to drop a couple each day uh, leading up to Rivalry Weekend. I'm going to Notre Dame, Southern Cal, looking forward to it. Um, yeah, first time to the Coliseum. Should be fun with my old man. Remember, stay clean, stay focused, stay strong. Frankenstein, have fun with your friends.